Stamba, another one over and away. So Sikandar Raza completes his half century. It's a full toss and a no ball. And he's 100. Well played, young lad. He got there, Raza. Of just 40 deliveries, Wayne Parnell struggling to grip the ball and struggling to finish off this last over. Last ball of the first innings. And Raza goes for another one. It will go all the way for another fog maximum. What a way to finish. Consecutive sixes. And Raza has played a blinder here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Shaky's Sports Journeys. I've taken about a two or three week layoff just to refresh the batteries and I'm back with a bang um, with a very special guest today. I'd like to say Asalaamu Alaikum to Sikandar Raza Bhatsab. Asalaamu Alaikum Islam Shaky. Shaky, good to be on your show brother. It has taken me some time but Alhamdulillah we're here now. Listen, I know you're a very busy man. You were, uh, you were in the Caribbean, we'll talk about that later. Uh, and now I know you're in uh, you're in lovely Pakistan, and we'll talk some more about that as well later. But let's um, let's just start by talking about where it all started for you. So you were born 24th of April 1986 in uh, lovely Sialkot, Pakistan, very well yeah, known yeah. for um, for all its sporting goods. Um, I'm very sure that you probably visit the local factories quite regularly. Very regularly, Shaky. Very regularly. <laughs> so. You, you were born 1986 in Pakistan. Tell me a bit about your family background, you know, where you grew up and what life was like in Pakistan. Um, so, Shaky, I come from a, I come from a very, you know, um, I would say, alhamdulillah, very close-knitted family. Um, my, my grandfather, uh, alhamdulillah, I grew up in a mixed family with all my uncles and things like that. So, um one thing, one thing we, one thing my grandfather made it very clear, and things that we were lacking in that, ancestor-wise, we weren't really educated enough. So when I was born, the first thing that was that that the grandfather and the grandmother emphasized on was the education, and 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 they all agreed that the the generation that's starting from Sukarno cannot be uneducated. So, you know, that's how it started, and education becomes education became the only thing at that moment of time for me to achieve and uh, you know and I wanted to be educated I wanted to try I wanted to learn and things like that so you know that's sort of a background I come from okay mashallah it's good to good to know that you were the start of uh, new traditions in the family um, and I hope uh, you know there's there's a fair few more you know your children I'm sure are, are going down the going down the similar path now so that's 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 great to hear Cricket then, you know, surely the, the fact that you had Pakistani roots had a big a big part to do with your uh, cricketing interests. Um, 100%. My father, my five uncles, out of the five uncles, I think three used to play cricket as well. And because my father also used to play cricket. So as a kid, I used to go and watch them. And uh, if, if you know, someone wants to take a break and you can expect the, you know, the the older people or the oldest player in the team all you know always wants to take a break and then I will jump onto the park and feel for them so for me that was a great buzz at that time and before I knew that one of the guys missed out and I was I was I basically asked the captain that I want to play and I was available so they said it's okay you can play but you'll bat 11 I said that's okay that's a great starting point but it was only a weekend sport because uh, Monday to Friday as you would imagine was school then tuition, then Kari Saab, Alhamdulillah. So, you know, you know, the whole routine. Mm -hmm. So it was just a weekend thing. And uh, I didn't really take, I didn't really take cricket seriously until very late, Shaky, to be honest. When you say late, what, I mean, was that, we're going to get now to the, the plunge and uh, you made a big move. Um, you decided to, to move from Pakistan to Zimbabwe. I've never actually... I mean, I know you personally as a, as a dear friend, but I've never actually asked you why that happened and what took place. So please, please let us let us know. Sure, sure. Shaky, my father had uh, uh, business, um, let's just say, relations from Japan because he was in Japan, in Zimbabwe. So he came 
to check up on those relations. And truth be told, we were on the verge of bankruptcy because some of the customers were refusing to pay. And when dad landed in Zimbabwe, the guy basically said, all that I bought of you is basically in this shop. So, and I'm, I'm actually leaving Zimbabwe as well. So basically you either take my shop and I'm happy to give you the ownership or I have no money to give you. And uh, father kind of felt, you know what? I'll sell this off, make my make make what I'm owed, and I'll go back to Japan. But while he was doing it in between, he had a change of heart, and he said, "You know what? It's not a it's not a bad place to settle down." And before knew, it's actually a great place to settle down. And that's how the journey started in Zimbabwe. It was nothing to do with education at the start, and it was nothing to do with cricket either. It was just a total family migration, to be honest. So who all moved, Sekunder? Uh, so my father got there first, then my mom, my brother, myself, my sister, we all moved. I came back, uh, finished my A-levels in Government College Lahore, went back to Zimbabwe, and then I'll, that's when I left for Scotland for my college and university. Yeah, so quite a journey. I mean, what, how did you feel at the time? Were you comfortable with the move? I mean, you're, you're obviously, you know, you're, you would have been what? I think you moved in 2000 and, and 2002. So by, you would have been around 16, 17 years old at that time. Yeah, yeah, look, I think the move was okay. The move was okay for me because I had spent a lot, a large portion of my life in hostel and I wanted to be with my family. And I think my father probably felt the same that he had spent a lot of time, a lot of his life in Japan as well. And he also wanted the family to be with him. So I think it was a win-win situation for all of us. So yeah, I welcomed the move. I was happy to be with my mom and dad. And uh, yeah, that was it, to be honest. And once you got there, obviously it's a, it's, it's a big cultural difference. Um, did you yeah. did you settle into it quite quickly? I mean, I, I see you now with your Zimbabwe teammates, and you seem uh, you seem like one big happy family. So you you've obviously you've obviously settled there very well. But what was it like when you first got there? Um, look, when I got there, because I wasn't into cricket, so of course I didn't know my cricketing side of the family. At that time, it was basically get to know the community, and if you have same age fellows, then become friends and things like that. So there was a lot of help. Uh, that was given to me and my family by the community that was there. So that kind of speeded up the process for us to settle down in Zimbabwe and basically understand the cultural differences, understand the law, understand what you can do, what you can't do and things like that and explore a few opportunities about college and university, but it just didn't feel right. And that's when I moved to Scotland. Yeah, so I've learned a lot about you when I was doing my research for this podcast. There's a lot that I didn't actually know. So you, um, you, you made the plunge to come over to Scotland, but initially you came oh. over to study software engineering at Glasgow Caledonian University. My That's understanding correct. was that you specifically came over to play cricket. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, I was, Shaggy, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough, to be honest, <laughs> to just come over to Scotland and play cricket. So I, I, I basically got into Langside College uh, and, and, and did a two years of uh, diploma, which would basically allow me to get into university to finish my third year in university and get my degree. So basically that's what happened. I came as a student and uh, that's, where, that's how the journey started in Scotland for me as a student. i tell you something, a fact for you to know. Langside College, there's a street that goes up Langside College. My, my parents still live in that street and that's where I grew up as well. So you pretty oh, much... Yeah, like small world, small world. Oh, it is. So you, um, you, you got your bachelor's degree. Uh, how many years did yeah, you yeah. do? How many years did you do in Scotland of that? Uh, three years to get to my BSc, but I took a gap year out and I came home. Um, so otherwise, if you look at the time of the degree, it was three years, but because I took a gap year, so it, it took me four years. Okay, fantastic. Well, mashallah. Or you can, or, or you can say I wasn't a, I wasn't a smart bunch out of them, so that's why it took an extra year to get my well, degree. Listen, you got, you got there, brother. You got there. That's the, that's that's a great achievement, <laughs> and nobody can take take that away from you. So, when did you wander down Sinclair Drive um, and decide to appear at the the mighty Weirs Cricket Club? <laughs> so what happened was um, a very good friend of mine still um, she was my basically badge mate we were we we had a lot of subjects together so she once said to me why don't you play cricket do you play cricket I said yes I do play a little bit of cricket she said why why can't you get hold of my brother this is the number and you know the club that he plays for is not too far off I said okay so I rang the brother and, and that's where Marge came into the picture 
So Maj, basically, as soon as I rang him, he said, I will meet you by the by the library, if, if you remember correctly, next to the, next to, was it, was it? Langside Library. Oh, it, yes, Langside Library, but it's next to, what's that road called? Battlefield Road, I think. Sinclair, so Battlefield Road's the main one where the college is, and then you've got Sinclair Drive that leads down to. Yes, 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 yes. Next to, next to, I don't know if it's Tesco or Pick and Pay, whatever it is. I know you are. Next to that shop. Yeah, yeah. So, so he met me outside Langside Library. We walked basically straight down the road. Hop over the bridge, down you go. On the right was VS Cricket Club, and that's it. So you're talking about Maj Iqbal? Yes, I'm talking about Maj Iqbal. So yeah. We all we all know we all know him as Skinny Maj. <laughs> well, yeah, Skinny Maj. Skinny Maj. So Skinny Maj took you along to Weir's Cricket Club. Um, you Correct. entered into the ground. Tell me about your your experience. Obviously, I, I, I've I've gone on to many years later after your time. I played a season at Weir, so I know. They've got the, the famous Greenwood brothers there. They have uh, Richard Young, a.k.a. Siggy. Correct. Many friends of yours as well. And, you know, Sherry. Yes. Um, Abrar. There's a lot of boys that I know you're very, very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell, tell, oh, me yes. about your, tell me about your time there. Yeah, so... So I think there was a bit of a buzz that there's a Zimbabwean boy um, who were basically... Who, who basically wants to be a part of a, of a VS Cricket Club and he's here as a student. So... My Siggy, I remember it was a Thursday or a Tuesday, but it was definitely a training day. I didn't have to wait that long. March rang Ziggy, Ziggy came, and I had my cricket shoes with me, and I started bowling to Craig Greenwood. And, uh, and, and, and I remember I got him out. And uh, for me, you know, it was just one of those balls, just stayed low, whatever it was, but I got him out. But, but a lot of the people told me afterwards that in, in so many years of him training at VS Cricket Club, not, no one has basically taken his poles out. So I was like, well, that's all right then. And that's where the next thing you know, Ziggy, I think, posted it on the group or, or messaged someone that there's a Zimbabwean boy, Zimbabwean Asian boy who's here. So that's when Shuja, Sheri, Abra, Safi, these four came down. Okay. And to be honest with you, Shaky, that's how we started our friendship, and up till now, mate, we've, we're going solid, strong, and we're still very close friends. Mashallah, mashallah, all good boys, all good boys. I know that I know yeah. them all personally, but they always they always tell me every time I speak to them that they're still very close for you, and that's great to hear that you've uh, you've not forgot where you the journey that you've come from. No chance. So, you played a season, but eventually, I believe you came back to. So, you went back to Zimbabwe. And um, yeah. by now your cricketing was starting to starting to you know take strides. You performed very very well in the domestic structure as well as the club cricket setup. I mean you were a leading performer. That's true. Um, and that's true. Did, did Weirs then ask you to come back and be overseas professional? Um, it wasn't until later on. So what happened was, I I got signed by Renfrew as an overseas amateur. You know, I'm sure it's still in Scotland, yeah. like you can have a pro and you have an amateur. Mm -hmm. So I got signed by Renfrew and I played a year at Renfrew. But then I got asked by Weirs to come back. But this time they asked me to come back as an overseas pro, whether you want to call it an overseas pro or a local pro, whichever way, because I was still in Scotland studying anyway. So that basically I was asked to come back as a pro. So I came back to Weirs as a pro. And the reason I couldn't play for Weirs after that is because I came home and ended up playing domestic cricket, which includes first class list day. Mm -hmm. And the T20 domestic tournament that we had as well. So I couldn't really classify as a local anymore or even an amateur. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, otherwise, you know what, I was gonna I was gonna go back to VS anyway. And and that's when I think Presswick came into the picture. Presswick signed me mm -hmm. as a pro after that. And uh, a year after that, Air signed me as an overseas pro as well. So that's how the journey kind of moved from being a, a student to an amateur to a pro. So you went on to play with the, the likes of uh, Fraser McDonald, Frago. Yes, uh, yes. Very, uh, you know what? I'll, of you. I'll actually tell you a story. It was actually Frago who recommended me to to Presswick. Not it was Madge actually who spoke to Frago, but it was Fraser who actually spoke to the board, got me. He was in touch with me that you know what we are applying for this visa, we're applying for that. The boy actually did everything possibly he could. To get me over and I'll forget for I'll never forget him and I'll always be grateful for him. Not only that, he picked me up from the airport, which of course I landed at Glasgow, picked me up at the airport, 
I actually spent a couple of days at his place. So he was kind enough to give me accommodation at his house as well. It was lovely to meet his um, back that it was the girlfriend, but now of course he's married. So it was lovely to meet the family. And I ended up spending, I think a week with Frago and then press week has sorted out a house by then. And then I ended up moving to the house. You know, it's quite, uh, it's quite amazing. You know, there was also talks once upon a time that we might try and get you to qualify to play for Scotland. Why did that? Why um, did that never come to fruition? Because you would have been, a, I would have, I would have gladly played alongside you in the Scotland national team. I mean, you would have been a, you would have been a revelation for us. No, 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 it's not true. Uh, okay, I'll tell you what is true and what's not true. I would have never been a revelation. Look, I was an ordinary club cricket brother at that time. So let's not let's not go there. But what is true that if I remember correctly, we used to have a T20 tournament at Addingston. Yes. And, and I remember I was betting at four uh, for the, I think there were three teams. They were overseas yes, you pros. Were playing, you were playing for the, the, eight, the kind of Asian 11. Then there was a Scotland 11. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a pro. Uh, and, I think and then there was a pro 11. 11. Yeah. So I was playing for the Asian babes or Asian 11, whichever one you want to call them. So I remember, I remember it was Hoffman, Paul Hoffman. And I, and I remember it very clearly. He was the one who started planting the seed that if this guy is over, and, and he didn't speak to me. Um, the great quality of, of the great man is that he didn't really speak to me. He was planting the seed behind the scenes that if this guy is over here as a student, if he's doing his third year, he hasn't got many years left before he becomes a national. So why not get him if we can? Mm -hmm. And he did, a, to be honest with you, he actually did a lot of a lot of hard work. Not only that, I think Ziggy also wanted that. Ziggy also did a lot of hard work for me to qualify for Scotland. Um, I think it was something to do with I have to spend X amount of days or X number of days per year in the country to qualify, something like that. Mm -hmm. And the other rule of that was that even if I leave the country, I cannot go over for more than two weeks, one, I mean, per holiday. And not only that, once I leave Scotland and go anywhere else, I cannot play cricket. Yeah. Um, it, was some, it, was one, it was some of those rules like that. Mm -hmm. And and for me, I said no. I've spent a lot, a, a large part of my life away from my mom and dad. I've I've been given an opportunity where, if I have holidays, I can go home, spend time with them. And I'm gonna. I used to. I remember I used to go home, um, Easter holidays just before the season starts. I'll go home. Of course, then there'll be Christmas holidays where university colleges will shut. I'll go home. So I never wasted an opportunity to go home and spend time with my family and things like that. So for me, shaky. And also when I went back, I, December was a great time. November, December is a great time to be involved in Zimbabwe cricket as well because for us it was summer. Mm -hmm. So you know it was a, it was kind of like a great timing for me to play some sort of a club cricket or even domestic cricket in Zimbabwe if I was lucky enough, and then come back in half decent touch to be ready for the season. Mm -hmm. So yes, there was a bit of a talk, and it all started by Paul Hoffman. I want to remember him. I want to mention his name because the man did a, the man was kind enough to see something that I didn't know I had. So I'll always, always be grateful for that. And uh, and I was always, I would also remember, I think um, he's he has been entered into Hall of Fame for Scotland, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He was presented he with a cap. He just brought out a book as well. He's just launched a book talking about fast yeah, so, so yeah, he's a, he's yeah, a great, so, great man. So, so Zimbabwe was playing Scotland and I, and I still want to thank him again. He felt that I was... Uh, I don't know. I was a good enough or a close enough or a, of a friend to him. And, and I'll be grateful for that as well. He asked me to be there for him when he received this cap. So for me, that's a great honor for a guy like Paul Hoffman to ask me, Raza, if you can be available um, while I receive my Hall of Fame um, cap from Cricket Scotland, which I'm very thankful. Um, so I don't remember all these little bits that people have done behind the scenes. And I remember them, Alhamdulillah, because they have been great great people who, who've tried to do a lot of great things for me for the time that I'd spent in Scotland. No, that's, that's, that's excellent. It's really lovely to hear. Um, I know, you know, that's when, that's when I've got to know you during those periods of time and you were, you were very loved in Scotland and you know, you always have lots of friends here. Actually, just to take you back to that day at Uddingston, I remember it very well. And you should thank me for this, Sekunder, because you were on 45 okay. and I was on the deep mid-wicket boundary. Okay. And you hit, you hit one to deep right. mid-wicket. Basically, I could have probably eaten the ball. I put my hands up 
and I parried it over the line for six as you made your way to 50. So you can, you know, that, that, that was my love for you. So I, 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 could, I didn't want to catch you out. I wanted you, I wanted you to get 50. I better not say that. There could be match-fixing allegations or something else put against me. Unfortunately, there was no nah, money. No, no, no. Or, 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 shaky, or, shaky, you can say that I picked a perfect fielder to get to you, pick, you definitely picked the perfect fielder, bro. <laughs> definitely picked the perfect fielder. Okay, so, Scotland... Shaky, before we, before we go forward, I, yes. I want to go back as well. There, there's, a, there's a gentleman that, that I want to mention who, who have passed away a long time ago. I think who have passed away close to 10 to 12 years ago. And that was Craig and Neil's dad, Mr. Greenwood, Bill Greenwood. I am telling you, in my opinion, when I, when I got there, I think that was the last time I saw him because that was the first year at Weir's was his last year at Weir's. After that, he stopped coming to Weir's. But he was the one who saw something that I think no one saw. And apparently he made a few predictions that uh, in the little that he saw, where it wasn't just cricketing abilities, how I went around about my business. He made that prediction or things like that. He said, we have just found a very good guy. And I'm sure he wasn't thinking that I'll play international cricket, but for, for, he said that he's a good addition to BS Cricket Club. And, and before I thank anyone or everyone for that matter in Scotland, Bill Greenwood for me, I would always be thankful and grateful for, for the opportunity that he gave me at Weas and convinced everybody to invest in me. No, it's, uh, it's, it's good and, to understand. And again, Mrs. Greenwood, Mrs. Greenwood, I'm telling you, Mrs. Greenwood loved me. Absolutely loved me. I think they all loved you, Weirs, bro. When I went, when I went there, <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was clear to see that they were all very, very fond of you. Uh, and I know you're not, like I said, they, they they'd love to see you when time permits. Uh, if you get a chance to come over to Scotland again, uh, maybe hopefully, inshallah, in the near future, there'll be a tour or some sort of cricket that takes place. Uh, we'd love to, love to love to see you over here again. So you went back to Zimbabwe. You dominated in first-class cricket. You started making a name for yourself, both with bat and ball. From what I remember, when my early days knowing you, you were more of a batsman. But that certainly changed. You know, you you formed into a genuine, proper, you know, top-class all-rounder with your off-spin as well. Um, you went on and you you got you you got you got selected in the preliminary squad 2011 for Zimbabwe. Um, Unfortunately, you didn't make the cut for the World Cup. How how did that feel at the time? Oh no! So okay, so this is how people. This is this is where the, how the story goes, and people really need to understand. Zimbabwe started investing in me, knowing very well that I will not be able to represent Zimbabwe until 2013. Okay. So Zimbabwe always had me in the squad. If I was doing well in club cricket or domestic cricket, whether it was first-class list or T20, they would always have me in a 30-man criminal squad or a 25-man squad. So Zimbabwe started invested in me before I made my debut anyway. So they would call me for the camps, very well knowing that I will never be able to, well, not never, I would not be able to play the next tour. Mm -hmm. But Zimbabwe started investing time, money, effort, you know, everything into me starting from 2010, 2011, to be honest. Okay. So when I got my citizenship, which takes 10 years, um, so once I completed my 10 years in Zimbabwe, I was given my citizenship, my passport. And Shaky, I can tell you that in after two weeks of that, because by the time I got my citizenship and passport, Zimbabwe was playing Bangladesh in a test match. And as soon as I got my passport, Zimbabwe had announced me in their ODI and T20 squad for, Zim, uh, for Bangladesh series anyway. Wow. Wow. So, you know, so it wasn't that I didn't make the cut. It was the fact that Zimbabwe started investing in me for two, three years, knowing that this boy can only play for Zimbabwe for 2013. So by the time you come I mean, we'll get on to talking about your, your debut, et cetera, very shortly. But so by the time you got to that point, you were pretty comfortable with your surroundings. You're pretty comfortable with the squad. They knew you, you knew them. Um, and that's awesome to hear that they were already, you know, they were planning, you, the plans were being put in place. Something I wanted to bring to your attention, a little yeah. memory for you, um, something that really got you you noticed again, was you had a great performance for Mazbingo Sports Club, an opening stand of 161 with Chamo Chibaba. Do you remember that well? Yeah. Yes, I remember that well. That's, a, I mean... So, they, they, so, so Mashwingo, Mashwingo was basic. Mashwingo is a small city and the franchise is called Rocks. So I was playing for Rocks and Chamu was my opening partner. And I know we 
we, we speak about 160 or run partnership at the top, but we had those partner, partnerships quite a long, quite a lot actually. So Chamu and I basically as opening partners, we, we used to normally score most number of runs compared to other franchises as an opening pair. And, uh, and I'm open with international cricket as well. So, so yeah, I remember those partnerships with him. You again, the selectors were, they had their eyes firmly on you. You were selected for a training squad for the Australian A and South Africa A tri-series. But you still at that point did not have citizenship. But it just reinstates with what you were saying, that they wanted you around the squad. They were preparing you to get ready to come in. Um, 93, you went on to score a 93 of 48 balls for the Southern Rocks against Mataplan Tuskers. Now, the thing that really caught my eye when I was looking at this yeah. is you opened the batting with a certain guy. Absolute hero to me and hero to many. And what yeah. an honour it must have been for you to open the batting with Brian yes. Charles Lara. Yeah. So, I'll tell you a funny story about that. So, 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 Mr. Mr. Lara and, and, and our, and we lost the first game and Mr. And, 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 and Mr. Lara said, look, listen, I'll open in the next game because he batted three in the first game. So he asked me, Raza, what do you think after five overs, what is a good total? No, six overs. And I said, 75. And he said, uh, Raza, 48 for no law, good total. Now, me being young, naive, you know, I didn't understand. I said, 48 for what? Anyways, we ended up, we ended up being 73 for zero in six overs. And wow. I remember clearly BC just kept laughing. He did not say a single word. He just kept on laughing and I didn't figure out why he was laughing. All he said to me, I'll take a one. It's okay. You keep doing what you're doing. But he kept laughing. So it was great. I mean, now that I look back and I ask him and he was just like, yeah, look, listen, mate, I was enjoying. And what I can tell you now that the difference between in domestic and international cricket is, 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 is quite high. So he told me a few ways to train. Um, if you can train that way, that way, that way, so that when your time comes in international cricket, um, you know, you'll be you'll be well equipped and better prepared. And those things have stuck with me until now. What, a, what I mean, that's special. I mean, I'm, I'm like a, I'm listening to that story like a, with a, like a kid in a candy shop there, you know, Brian Charles Lara, <laughs> a hero growing up and a many people's hero to get the chance to get his mentorship before you came into the international scene must've just been, what, what a privilege. ODI debut, May, 2013. You became the 116th player to represent Zimbabwe. What, uh, you know, the journey really now is starting to make sense. You know, you've got your bachelor's degree, you've done your apprenticeship in cricket, you've qualified, and here you are now representing your country. Proud moment for you and your family. Yeah, look, um, you know, Shaggy, 10 years is a long time. And I know the dream didn't start 10 years ago, but still, if you look at, that I've been in the country for five years or six years and, and I've, I've stayed in domestic cricket for four years. And once you're handed, in, handed the cap for your ODI debut, I think, I think all the struggle, all the pain, all the tears of those 10 years went away. The, I mean, just one cap. Believe it or not, just one cap. You know, you are caught for, for some time, like, for a little while, I think it is fair to say that I was caught in a moment that, listen, I can't even remember what I did yesterday because of this cap. I forgot about all the, all the failures, all the success. I forgot everything. I literally forgot about everything. All I, all I remembered was 10 years and one cap. MashaAllah. Of course, at that point, I didn't know what sort of, which direction my career is going to go, how much more Zimbabwe is going to invest in me, would I have success, would I have failure, would I have both, how much would I have success. A lot of these questions started to come later on, but at that time it was like 10 years in one hand and one cap in one hand. Well, it's, uh, it's, uh, we're very proud, very proud of what you've, uh, what you've gone on to achieve. And we'll talk about some of those things, but yeah, I can, I can see how much happiness you feel when you're even thinking about that moment of when you got that cap, because all that hard work and everything, all the dedication, all the, your parents, everything, all the efforts of everybody all, all, all came together. You started off a little bit slow, first couple of games, didn't really didn't really take the world by storm. However, then in your fourth ODI, um, you scored 82 off 112 balls versus the mighty India. Um, you must have been pinching yourself at that point, thinking, you know, 
because because until you do something like that, it's a, it's probably in your mind. Am I am I am I am I good enough to be at this level? Um, Shaky, I, I think I stayed in a in a in a happy spectrum equilibrium. Like I never thought, am I good enough to do it? But I also never thought I'm definitely not good enough to do it. Okay. So I never allowed myself to doubt myself, or, or I also never allowed myself to basically put that negativity in my head, saying that I'm not good enough. For me, I think because I couldn't become a pilot, I became a software engineer. You know, couldn't pursue that degree. I ended up becoming a cricketer. So, hostel life, staying on my own, taking right or wrong decisions, things like that. So, I think life and traveling teaches you a lot of things. To be honest. Uh, mixing with different cultures teaches you a lot of things. So, and and I, I I remember when when teams used to come and if I can get my hands on a cricketer, I would love to ask questions. And I think with all the information and the knowledge I get, I think I've kind of managed to form that space where I never doubted myself, but neither did I allow myself to basically have the negative. It was I worked hard. Inshallah, if it happens, if it happens, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. What will be will be. Inshallah. I want to do well, and let's see where I go. Mashallah, good, good, good to have your faith um, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. When you're moving forward, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's guided you along the path very much. Mashallah. You went on then another very yes. proud moment. Um, Test cricket now, I believe you scored a sixty against Pakistan at the uh, Harari Sports Club, which was obviously on yeah. new home soil um, as a Zimbabwean, but playing yeah, against yeah. your playing against your your mother and fatherland. Must have been a very proud moment for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wasn't meant to play that test match, but because BT had twins that morning, literally BT had a boy that morning, not twins. BT had Mason that morning, his boy that morning, and he rang the coach at six a.m. That my listen, uh, you know, I've been blessed with a baby boy, and I am shattered i'm fatigued there's no way i'm gonna make it to the ground i'm gonna yeah. stay with my boy and my wife because the baby came at early hours in the morning mm-hmm. and i'm strolling because i knew that i'm not playing i'm strolling in my slops you know happy days like a like ready a, to like carry a happy some penguin and yeah 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 mentally ready you know baggy green is there well i didn't have it so my brought the cab yeah i'm carrying drinks happy days absolutely switched off and now i see my coach running at me panicking <laughs> Raza, Raza, BD can't play. You have to play today. He had a baby. You're playing. That's all. That was it. Well, that it, was it. Sometimes that could be a good way to just get, get the call because you didn't really have much time to think about it. You know, you just you, you're in the you're in the driver's seat. That's mm-hmm. it. Time, time time to go. Maybe if you'd had to think about it all the night before, you would have had the nerves and everything else. You never had time to do any of that. Yeah. So all I had time was to ring my father from the from the gate to the to the steps of the chain, you know, where we hand in our phones. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, I'm playing today. I'm almost there. I'll speak to you, inshallah, later. And that was that. That was that. The only man I rang was my father. That. Mashallah. And I said, of course, he was going to tell the whole family, but I only had time to ring one man. Okay. Um, so you made a 60. So, you know, you covered your, your teammate uh, who had been yeah. blessed, with a, blessed, with a, blessed with a baby boy. Um, and, you know, you, you, you showed the coach and you showed the squad once again that you know you're a reliable, reliable player. So it must have been a, a proud moment for you. And to do it against Pakistan must have gave you a lot, of, a lot of pleasure. Yeah, I don't think so. My teammates think I'm a reliable player, and I don't think so. I am too. <laughs> Rush of blood, a moment of madness. Too many, too many of those in my career so far, and I think I stay that way. But, but. Shaky didn't give me more pleasure because it was against Pakistan. Again, talking and being in the international changing room and exchanging and speaking to some of the greats of the game as well. What I said to myself that I will respect each nation basically on the same level. I can't respect Australia more than I respect Hong Kong because I don't want to put too much focus here and here. I always wanted to make sure I, I put all my focus and all my energy that I'm playing for Zimbabwe. Whoever the opposition is, so be it. That's a good, that's a good humble attitude, I think. So, to have. so the reason I do that is because then I don't get caught in emotions. I don't get caught 
oh, wow, the other guy have that. Oh, wow, I was born in this country. Oh, wow, I have a lot of mates in that country. Oh, I have to do well because, you know, my cousin or my brother or my, you know, whoever, or my lot of close friends are playing in that team. Wow, I have to do, no, man. I just play for Zimbabwe. That's all. Good man, good man. So Brendan Taylor came back into the side. Um, you made way for him again. Um, but then uh, a big moment in your career. Uh, you went on to represent Zimbabwe in the 2015 Cricket World Cup in Australia. Um, I remember watching you. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, now this was, a, I mean, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't probably take the world by storm with the bat, but you really, really made your name with the ball. I mean, I remember that tournament well. You bowled, you bowled consistently well throughout the tournament. No disrespect intended there about your batting, but is that would that would that be fair to say? Oh no, it, it, oh no, batting is still average, and so is bowling. But hey, I get lucky sometimes. No, no, you can take all the puns you need, brother. I don't take. It, it is what it is. Um, yeah, shaky. I think I think because of the first time me being in Australia and New Zealand and not not being exposed to those sort of wickets. So, yeah, look, maybe I didn't adjust well. Maybe my skill level wasn't that great. I mean, not maybe, definitely these two factors are there, but I'll put down to that I wasn't good enough. So, I wasn't good enough. My skill wasn't there at that time. And, yeah, that's why I had a bit of a failure with the bat. Um, started, I, I had started bowling a little bit, but, yeah, alhamdulillah, the bowling was starting to come right. And I ended up bowling a lot of overs. I didn't bowl all my overs, uh, of course, because playing in New Zealand and, and Australia is tough for us. You know, but I ended up bowling still quite overs and had a half-decent, respectable economy, if you know what I mean. No, I, I think you're being very modest there. I remember you bowling in that tournament. And, and I, I, was, I, was, I knew you bowled a bit, but I didn't think you were, um, you were like an, you know, an ODI specialist. And, and I was really, really impressed with the way you held your own against all the, all the nations you played oh, against. I wasn't as... Oh, shaky, shaky, you're, shaky, you're, you're being far too kind. I definitely wasn't a special. I was a part-timer, man. Still probably am a part-timer. So from there, one of the, one of my, I think it's got to be the biggest performance that you have, uh, you've given in your career. And I remember the time when it happened, I was just like in awe of you that you have achieved this. And it was a hundred that you scored when international cricket had returned to, you know, Pakistan um, and you scored 100 of 84 balls against Pakistan at Gaddafi Stadium, Lahore. I remember your arms aloft when you scored your 100. What an achievement. How proud a moment for you and your family. Tell me about, tell me about that. Um, the good thing was the family was, family was there, so they saw me playing live. Um, a lot of the family members were there, actually. Um, shaky again. What was important was that I got a hundred. Oh, we you know we put a lot of runs on the board. Unfortunately, we couldn't win that game, but we ended up scoring two ninety-three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, shaky again. I would say that it was a proud moment because I got a hundred, but against a quality opposition. But Alhamdulillah, you know, shaky. I don't know what more to say about that. Yeah, you're being modest. You're being modest. You're a humble man. Um, I see that, and you know. But for me, from as a looking on as a as a fan, looking on as a as a as a fellow cricketer, you know, to 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 do that, being born and bred in Sialkot, you know, your mother, your father, everybody there present, is a very proud moment. And I'm sure when you look back, um, and you retire, you can maybe tell your grandkids, you know, I once scored a hundred at Gaddafi Stadium, Lahore, and I'm sure they'll be very very proud of you. Um, you made your T20 debut. Oh, I won't be. One one thing you're gonna be very shaky. Be assured, I will not be telling that to anyone. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. I'll tell some, if someone asks me, you I'll, nod your head and you say yes, I did it. Alhamdulillah. Okay. I'll tell a few people for you then. I'll tell a few. People. Okay, you tell them, shaky. You tell them. You tell. I'll be them. happy to do you that. <laughs> so you went on to make your T20 debut around November 2013. You were actually the youngest player at 70 at 17. To score a 50 in that format. Do you know that? Or have I got that fact wrong? Now I know that. Now you know that. There you go. You learn something new every day. I don't know, Shaky. Uh, to be honest with you. Humble, brother. Thanks, Shaky. Humble, humble. Mashallah. Mashallah. We're almost getting to the end of talking about it, and then I want to just finish with a few things. But another big th moment for Zimbabwe cricket came when you toured Sri Lanka. Um... 
and you scored a match-winning knock to win the series 3-2. Now, this was the first time Zimbabwe had won a series um, away from home since 2009. Um, and to do it in Sri Lanka, against Sri Lanka, who's a very, very tough team to beat on their home conditions, it's very good one-day one day international team, as we know. That must have been a great feeling for the squad, you know, the country, everyone. Oh, mate. Um, I'll start from the end and make my way back. Once we landed in Zimbabwe, the chairman, the MD were there. The press was there. A lot of people, a lot of fans were there welcoming us. And it was an evening flight. And by the time we got, it was, it was pretty dark. It was, it was nighttime as well, but no one left. Everybody stayed, waited for us. Um, press conference was done. You know, bonuses were announced. Just everybody was happy. It was one of those moments. So, yeah, we... We were happy that we won a series and Zimbabwe was the first country also who chased down, you know, scores of 300 in Sri Lanka, against Sri Lanka and then won a series. I think in the last 30 odd years, no one has won a Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka, something like that. So it wasn't just one or two records. As a country, we broke. It was a lot of records uh, that we broke and, 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 you know, it was great. So, yeah, listen, Sri Lanka remains, again... One of the one of the favorite memories that I have so far with Zimbabwe cricket team because we won three two in Sri Lanka against Sri Lanka. Oh, fantastic! It was a great, great, and probably a bit of a tough time in Zimbabwe cricket as well because it had been a while since you were kind of you know achieved those heights. I mean, my memories obviously go back to the '99 World Cup when Zimbabwe were really making a name for themselves. You had loads of legends, and then Zimbabwe has gone through you know some tough times, but. Um, the, to, to do something like that, announce to the world again that Zimbabwe are a force to be reckoned with. You know they can they can compete at this at this level. So no, it was yeah, hundred percent. Because we received a lot of messages, and I'm very sure our calendar got busier as well. You know, you need to do these things as a country, basically, to put a statement out there as well that we're not just walkovers or we're not just a guy, we're not just a team that you don't want to play because you think. It's a waste of time, things like that. So I think at that point, plus the squad has been together for a long time. It was also important for us to put those performances out to basically send a statement out to the people back home as well and to selectors and to the board and to everybody that whoever has made this plan of keeping the team together, things like that, the results have started to show. And I remember Holland, we won in Holland. We went to Scotland, we lost and we won. We drew the series in Scotland. Then we, won, then we went to Sri Lanka. So some of the questions that were asked that why do we have to go to Holland and then why do we have to go to Scotland and before we go to Sri Lanka when this is Asia, this is Europe, la la la. And the guys, sometimes it's important for a, for a team to just be continuously playing cricket and things like that. So for us to win in Sri Lanka, all the questions were answered. And, uh, you know, all the, all the people all the people who made these bold decisions were basically happy and, and anyone who was questioning or doubting the, the decision-making basically put to rest as well that Listen, we've got the result we were after. Brilliant. A big moment in Zimbabwe cricket came um, quite recently, 2018. Um, you played in the World Cup qualifiers, which was a new format that had been formed that included the likes of the West Indies, Zimbabwe, Scotland were obviously there as well, Ireland. Now, you personally, Marshall, a great tournament. 319 runs, 15 wickets, player of the tournament. But I'll never forget your interview um, at the back end of the tournament. It was a very emotional interview. <laughs> um, you know, I thought you spoke, thought you spoke very well, and you spoke passionately about the matter. But the likes of Zimbabwe, Scotland, uh, did not make the World Cup. And how did you, how do you, how did you, how do you feel about that? And how, and what's your, how do you feel about it now? Shaky, no one, no one understand the pain of basically qualifiers more than Zimbabwe. I know Scotland was hard done by as well, but I still feel that Zimbabwe. Um, you know, no one, no one understands by two runs, by two runs, we couldn't make the World Cup. We couldn't get onto the plane to England to play the other nine best countries in the world by two runs. So, yeah, it was tough, Shaky. It was tough. I didn't watch many games of the World Cup, I'll be very honest with you. I just followed here and there. But I, if I remember, I think I hardly watched any games. It was it was tough. 
it was tough to basically not see Zimbabwe. It was tough to see not to see myself and my country and my mates there when we think we were playing the when we felt we played the best cricket of our of our time of our career of the tournament as well. Sometimes best is not good enough, and that's what I've come to terms with. That's what I've come to terms with in life as well. You give your best, and sometimes the best is not good enough, and you take what the result may come with it. Yeah, look, I've got my views on it. You know, I, I believe it's called a World Cup for a reason. You know, you watch the football World Cup, you watch the rugby World Cup, and you see some great stories coming out of it. And I think in recent times, the likes of Ireland, you know, have won some games, big games. You know, the Dutch have won some games. You boys have obviously been do, been uh, upsetting the odds at, at, at many World Cups. Um, it was pretty sad to see. I think quite easily you could have included Zimbabwe, Ireland, Scotland, and it would have been a, a real good really good introduction to have all those teams in the World Cup. And I hope it's something that gets looked at in the future. I know the T20 is being looked more at as the format that can allow the associates to come through, but I still think there's a great place in, uh, in the 50 over format to see more of these teams playing. Because I, I personally believe as a Scottish, um, ex-Scottish player, that the Scotland team is as good as it's ever been. And it showed recently when we beat England in a, you know, in a, in a fantastic ODI, um, so it's, it's sad that, you know, these teams are not going to be at the World Cup. But fingers crossed, moving forward, it'll be something that changes. So keep your head up. I'm sure we'll see you. You're still a young man. I'm sure we'll still see you at some, in a World Cup in future. Now that kind of brings me... Oh, Shaky, the, the, the body and the bones tell me otherwise. I'm not sure about the young man. No, behave yourself. You're two, you're, two years, you're two and a half years younger than me. <laughs> You've got, you got plenty of time, plenty of time to play. So one of the things I wanted to touch on before I finish with a few questions was you've been a you've had a lot of experience now as a franchise T20 cricketer. I mean to name some of the places I believe you've played in Canada, um, you know you and, and one of the big recent I think you've played in it a few times, but you were just part of the Trinbago Knight Riders that uh, that won the the CPL tournament. Is that correct? That's correct. Very, very, very proud moment. I seen you charge. You were the first guy out of the seat to charge on the pitch uh, when your when your team got over the line. How was that? Obviously, it was totally different experience as well. You were in the bubble, um, you know, being playing under new COVID restrictions. How was how did how was that for you? Um, so, so I think it is fair to say that bubble is tough. Bubble is depressing. I mean. You've got to look after your physical state as much as you're more, more than that. I think you've got to look after your mental state. But I think CPL showed way to the rest of the world as well that cricket can be played under certain or with, with some restrictions or, 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 or things in place. So the first 14 days were tough. I get that. But it was important. I also get that. Then, but once the training and the cricket starts, especially when the game started, especially when we started to see one another and speak to one another, I mean, all of the teams were in one hotel anyway. So you see your friends, you also see some, you make new friends and you ask questions from DJ, you ask questions from Paul, you're from Sunny. Now you're starting gathering information, knowledge. And, and for me, that is a real key for any cricketer to improve and get better. Then the time flew. Plus, Alhamdulillah, we, we kept winning. I think, of course, if you win, there's a different buzzer on the team. And uh, after, after the first 14 days, I can't, remember, I can't tell you how quickly the days went. It just flew by. And obviously, it was a, a successful tournament for you and your team. You had, um, you had a good te a, a, an old teammate of mine playing in your side as well, I believe, Mr. Fawad Ahmed. Oh, what a legend. Yes. He's a great man. He's a great, great man. Um, I was a bit disappointed for my old mate Darren Sammy. He was obviously, he was obviously the opposition captain that lost the final, um, and he did. I, I have had a little message from him. I, I, when I when I gave him my condolences, he said he'll get you boys next year. So you bet, you best be ready for that. No, that's fine. Uh, you know, I think, I think this is this is great. This is this is what this is what you want to hear. That Sammy lost. I mean, his team lost, but. Alhamdulillah, his spirits is high. He, he wants to come back stronger. And I think TKR will do the same, you know. You always chase the trophy. It's not just Sammy and the Zooks boys. I think it's the rest of the teams as well. They want to come harder. They want to come better at TKR as well because we're the champions. And Alhamdulillah, whether I'm part of TKR or not, my heart will always be with them for, for a very long time. But if I'm part of them, then of course we will up our game as well. We will prepare better. 
Um, we would also have to up our game because if you're stagnant, then other teams will always take over. Yeah. You've made the benchmark, so they'll be setting now. They'll be looking at you in all the areas where they can where they can be where they can do better. But uh, no exciting times ahead for the CPL. It's a good it's a good tournament to watch. Hundred percent. Um some just coming to more as the finish finishing point, some important things. You're currently in Pakistan. Um you're in your you're in your you're on your loan yes. in, your, in your hotel room, it looks like at the moment. Um you're about to what Correct. is the team format? What are you playing out there? I've not done my research on it. What what what's getting played? That's okay. We've got shaky, shaky. We got three ODIs and three T20s in Ralpindi. All the games are here. Okay. So how's the how have you how's training going? How's the preparation going? How's the hospitality in Pakistan? Yeah. Like, oh, we don't have to answer that. I mean, the hospitality is always always top notch here. Top notch. I mean, yeah. shaky. I'm telling you, there's nothing to worry about. As in. Everything is looked after. Everything about everything that could concern Zimbabwe or Pakistan, because we're both in the same hotel, is looked after. All we have to do is rock up at the ground, train, and just lift. Literally, that is it. I mean, the hospitality is beyond words can explain or I tell you. It is. It is as simple as that. Honestly. No, that's a, you know, anybody I've spoken to, um, you know, I, I've got a guest coming on, David Visa. He's currently going to be in Pakistan very, very soon. And he was telling me as well, he was saying the hospitality is second to none. You know, Darren Sami's got practically citizenship of Pakistan. You know, he's he's that loved in Pakistan. And it's um, I think we're close. I think you boys being over there is a great sign for the international cricket. There's talks of England coming, um, inshallah, next year. That would just be it'd be it'd be, dream, it'd be a dream come true because as a you know Pakistan is part of my my roots as well and it's uh, it's been sad. I was actually in Pakistan when the when the the, the the stuff happened with the Sri Lankan team and it was such a heartbreaking time. But I think they've come on leaps and bounds and you know we're on the verge of uh, seeing better times for cricket in Pakistan and for the public because as you know, being a Pakistani born as well, the public are cricket cricket crazy. Oh yeah, look man, it is. I think, I think it is sad not to see people in the stadium. It is, it is a little sad, but you can always look at the bright side and say that at least you know there's some sort of cricket that play that they can enjoy at home, and most importantly, they're staying safe and healthy. And inshallah, we'll come out of these tough times um, sooner than later. Inshallah, that's my belief. And inshallah, we'll have the stadiums packed. We'll have the people coming back. We'll have the happiness. We'll have the smiles. We'll have the cheers. We'll have the slogans. We'll have the chants. All of those back as well, to be honest. So, final question on that: What's your chances? What are you? What's your? How are you thinking? Uh, you, you're going to compete against Pakistan. They're obviously a very strong ODI and T20 side. Um, Shaky, personally, I would say the same thing. If I was to play tomorrow against any other country, let's just say even if I have to play against UA, your chances are higher if you prepare well. Um, your chances are higher if you trust your processes and, and look to do exactly what you, you know, look to go out there, how you have planned and prepared um, and back yourself and your team and the plans. And, and the rest is up to Allah. So we've done all of that well. Sometimes we focus on results far too much and we forget about the journey to get to the result, which is, uh, which is what we call in cricketing terms of process. So for me, process if we do our processes right we'll have a great game of cricket and again i would say sometimes your best is not good enough on the day and it's not good enough teams are scoring 400 and something and still losing the games to be honest so you can't say or oh, you could have done well they you know you played your best cricket the other team came out and did better and sometimes 220 can't get chased so Shaky result will look after itself, inshallah. What Zimbabwe has to do, what we have to do well is inshallah look after the process. And the result will look after itself. Well, listen, my duas are with you, and I hope that you perform well. Unfortunately, I will not be supporting your team fully. Um, I will be rooting for, uh, for <laughs> Pakistan. Uh, but look, may it be a may it be a great series for the spectators. Um, may you and your team perform well. Um, I guess just rolling into something you just brought brought up there. So you're a you're a proud Muslim. Um, Mashallah. International sport has a lot of um, lot of mental challenges, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of lonely moments. How has your faith helped you through this journey? 
So, so cricket is cricket gave me alhamdulillah everything. Don't 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 get me wrong. Cricket alhamdulillah gave me everything. There is life. There was life before cricket, and inshallah, if Allah permits, there will be a life after cricket. Cricket is is extremely important part of my life, but it's not the most important part of my life. So every time I have those lows and every time I have those ups, also I always remember or I try and remember that, you know, this this journey, this phase of life would be over before you before you know. So, in dark times, in tough times, and in happiness, I try and remember, Alhamdulillah, that my faith carries me through good, through bad, through failures, through success, and uh, my faith is by far the most important thing to me. Mashallah, it's good. It's, uh... It's good to it's good to hear you say that. Um, long may long may long may it continue. You know, before we were going to record this podcast, you'd said you'd said to me that uh, you know you're going to get home, you're going to read your your evening prayer, your maghrib, your isha, and then you'll be good to record. It made me made me happy to hear that, and I was more than happy to to wait for you um, to read your prayers. So I, I'm proud of you on that front. I guess um, last question for you is: What's your advice for youngsters coming through? I always ask my guests this question. Everybody has a slightly different take on it. What's your take of, for any sports, young sports person, whether it be cricket, football, whatever, what advice would you give to them? Um, just remember that, that to get to a certain point, never forget it's, it's a journey. It's, it's not like you wake up and tomorrow you're an international cricketer, footballer, tennis star or whatever. Everything has a journey. A journey has phases. What sometimes I feel, what sometimes I have seen recently that, People want to do it too quickly. Take take shortcuts sometimes, maybe, I don't know. But everything has a time and place done for you. All you have to do is make sure you look after the journey. You, you do all the requirements that is there, whether you're a footballer, whether you're or whichever athlete you want to be. So, so what I always say to the youngsters that are around me that never be wowed looking at your senior guys thinking, oh, he has that, he has that, he has that. You see now what he has, but what you were never there or you never saw what he what he didn't have when he started his career. But maybe he had a difficult starting compared to you. Maybe you're in a better place at a start of your career than he was. So never look at the end product. Never look too far ahead like that. Always make sure you have your, you, you respect the journey, you respect the process. And any field that you're part of, demands and requires sacrifices you cannot get there going your merry way and thinking you'll get there eventually it doesn't work like that for you to be rewarded you have to make sacrifices and those sacrifices sometimes comes having an early night because you have a game tomorrow spending time with your kit bag you know making sure your pads your gloves are folded not just chucking everything in the in the in part of that not going out with your mates for, for a night out is part of that. Having to cut down on some sort of a food or a diet because it doesn't suit your body is part of that journey. All these little sacrifices that you may not consider as a, consider as a sacrifice is a sacrifice. So for you to be somewhere where you want to be in a particular sport that you've decided for yourself requires discipline and sacrifices. If you're good at that, I can guarantee your sports will reward you more than your sacrifices. Fantastic advice, brother. I'm, I'm sure anybody, any youngsters that are going to listen and hear that, they will, you know, they'll, they'll take all of that on board. That was, that's, you know, it's a really good way to break it all down and you're right. Process takes time, but doing the right things is very important. Listen, I want to thank you very much for your time. Um, we've, we've, we've been trying hard to get this done, but you're obviously in a, a busy cricketing schedule. You're in and out of bubbles. You're on planes. You're flying in and out of different airports. But Alhamdulillah, it's been fantastic to talk to you um, and, and hear your story. I'm sure many in Scotland will tune in to have a listen because, you know, we're, we're all very, all very fond of you. Wish you all the very best for the upcoming tournament, upcoming series. Um, anything you'd like to finish by saying? Thank you very much, Shaky. You know, I honestly wanted to do it for a long time. I remember we started talking when you were in your season one, possibly the episode two or three. I got busy, you got busy. Here we are, we've got it done. I owed it to you anyway as, a, as, a, as, a, as an older brother to me, as a good friend of mine. But most importantly, I wanted to do it because people in Scotland played a huge part in my life, not just as a cricketer, but as a human being as well. And I wanted people to know their names, know their stories and know the things they have done for me to, to basically, which enabled me to be where I am right now. So 
I wanted to do it for them as well. So Alhamdulillah, we've got that. Hopefully I haven't forgotten anyone. If I've forgotten, I'm sorry. It wasn't my intentions. The blame is on Shaky because he did not ask me the right question for me to bring your name out. Thank you, brother.